0: This is The Cindy Adams Show, 77 WABC.
1: Hi, it's me, Cindy Adams. Same Cindy Adams, Madam Adams, who harangues you in my column Monday through Thursday four times a week, every week, in the New York Post. You're stuck with me. So listen, I do predictions the end of every year. Why do I do predictions every year? Ah, eh, who knows? But every year, I do predictions. So I now give you the predictions of two professional predictors. First, here's his predictions. Psychic John Cohan's 35th year of doing this for me. He says, Mick Jagger and Paul McCartney's feud triggers a fist fight. I didn't even know they were having a feud, but it triggers a fist fight. Nora O'Donnell, he says, gets her own talk show. Mimi Megan and Prince Empty have a trial separation. He's welcomed back home. I mean, I can't believe it's happening that soon. I believe it's going to happen, and I don't have very much love for Mimi Megan. I know lots, and if you're nice to me one day, I'll tell you. But now I'll go over to the next guy. Matthew Perry is gone to Ireland, or will go to Ireland, for contentment, and he'll find a non-showbiz lady. Jennifer Garner and the guy in her life, John Miller, make a baby. About Gail King, the prediction is a new relationship with a politician does not work. Judge Judy stars in a movie as an actress. I mean, I don't believe it. I just spoke to her this morning. Believe me, she's not going to star in a movie, but that's what he says. I mean, please, even she doesn't believe this, but that's what the prediction is. Mamie Van Doren. She was a 60-sex symbol. Now she's in her 150s. Anyway, she is going to make a song album. Debbie Reynolds and Eddie Fisher's son... Todd finds a brother named Alan he never knew he had. Eva Longoria gets an Oscar and she gets a lawyer to then sue a soap opera lady named Laura Lee Rell. I don't know exactly why. That's not my problem. I'm only giving you a prediction. Sean Penn sued by workers who claim. He inflicted mental cruelty. Okay, that's that set. Now, here's another set for, from a woman named Paula Roberts. She is a psychic in England. Most of them seem to be British. The Celts are always into predictions. She says... New York City Mayor Eric Adams will fight crime, improve public transportation, accommodate a quarter of unused office space for mixed-income families, ban cars 24-7 from Central Park, and he is always punctual. I don't know if any of that makes any intelligence, but it's what she predicts. Also, U.S. COVID recedes, she says, in 2023. Markets and the year end well. Industries slow the first quarter and increase next March. Tech is volatile, but overall it's good. Gold is a steady investment. Modest increases. Oil is a long-term investment. Carnival crews stock. Crashes. Yeah, well, nobody wants to go on the boats right now. Banks are good the first quarter. They drop the end of March. Then they regale. International Japan is good. International Japan is good in investment long term, despite losing a major South Korea contract. And crypto correction is early. And it needs a strong stomach, long term. Long term, I want my stuff. Stuff, I'm. My teeth are not working tonight. Long term, crypto correction is worthwhile. She and he both say. Listen, there's a new movie now out called The Ricardos, and I want to tell you about. The Ricardos. The Ricardos is a new movie. It stars Nicole Kidman. Once, if you're too young to know, the subway was a nickel, a man's pants crotch was above the ground, and a female's boobs were inside the dress. Those were the days when the U.S. was united and there lived Lucille Ball. Her husband was a cheating Cuban Band leader named Desi Arnaz. Their company was Desilu. They had a longtime TV series, I Love Lucy. So now Amazon has a new movie about them called Being the Ricardos. It had a screening and I was there. One door was scotch taped with paper and on it was the crayon with the word Nicole Kidman. Out From the crayon came Nicole. She plays Lucille Ball. She was wearing a white floor-length gown, and I asked, whose schmata is that? She grinned, and she said, Chanel. Then she said, growing up in Australia, I hadn't much knowledge of Lucille Ball. No idea of their tumultuous married relationship, but I became obsessed with her. I loved dancing. She loved dancing. I saw in her the excess force, her tough, unstoppable drive to make things work, forge ahead, become successful. And then, said Nicole Kidman to me, her resilience, doing the doing, and filming reminded me of my own mother. She said, Lucille had bright red hair, so they dyed mine. I figured prosthetics would change my nose and mouth. But the problem was my eyebrows. I worried mine would be gone forever, but they're starting to come back. The writer and director was Aaron Sorkin. He said, We filmed in L.A. I read their biographies. Most were not very good. The best was Desi's own, and it was called My Book. You know, at first I didn't care to do this project. I didn't want the usual biopic. There, there was too much difference in their characters. He was alcoholic. She was accused of being a communist. But still loving Desi, even after their divorce and her remarrying comedian Gary Morton. I knew, P.S., I knew both Gary and Lucille Ball. And I also know I now have to make a station break. All the
0: dish that's fit to air. Cindy Adams is on. 77 WABC.
1: Okay, Rock Positano. Dr. Rock Positano. He's our well-known, best-known foot doctor. The best ankles, toes, metatarsals, or whatever the hell else is hanging off the <laughs> bottom of your leg is what he takes care of. He's the most famous, everyone goes to him. Since he's about as quiet and silent as Mount Vesuvius, he's going to tell us how these days we handle our feet when we're not moving them because we're not going out anywhere. Okay, Doc, first. How do you, how did you originally walk into the business of feet?
0: Well, I always had a fascination with the work, Cindy, of Leonardo da Vinci. As you know, Leonardo did the most gorgeous anatomical drawings ever. He would break down different body parts into pulleys, levers, very physical terms, so to speak. But Leonardo's most favorite part of the body to draw was the foot and the ankle because he was amazed that here is this small structure that has to take a person over a lifetime. And he was always amazed about how the foot interacted also with other body parts and how when there was a problem mechanically or anatomically with a foot, Many times, it would result in a knee problem, a hip problem, and a back problem. And he was able to basically show that there was an anatomical relationship between all of the body parts that started at the foot and worked its way up.
1: But how did you find out that much about, about him?
0: Well, I was always fascinated with physics and with engineering. And when I was up at uh, the Yale School of Public Health, I remember studying specifically his anatomical renderings, which were amazing. And I said to myself, well, you know what, this man must know what he's talking about because Leonardo was very well known uh, in, in all circles, scientific yeah. circles, yeah. artistic yeah. circles. And I had a genuine, genuine affection for that. And that that's I what led me. I remember
1: in your office, you have a mock-up of his foot.
0: Yes, yes, yes. And I, and I still study it. It's amazing how, to this day, many scientists, Cindy, have actually done scientific studies that proved... His postulates were totally correct. And this is when there was no scientific uh, sophistication like we have today. And Leonardo da Vinci's postulates about the foot, the ankle, the anatomy, have all held up against the test of time.
1: I didn't know all that. I, what I would like to know is everyone talks of their liver, the heart, the teeth. There's always something they're talking about at dinner. They're back behind, whatever. But nobody over dinner talks of their feet.
0: Well, except the people that put their foot in their mouth—that's a different oh, hey, story. That's a good joke. All right, okay. come on okay. now. You know okay. we we spoke about that before, but you know it's interesting because look, what people don't realize about a foot is that a foot problem, Cindy, in and of itself, is not life-threatening, but it's lifestyle-threatening. Our ability to take a walk, our ability to go to a function, our ability to go shopping, our ability to exercise—when a person has a foot problem, they realize just how important their feet are because they're not able to do these things comfortably. And unfortunately, many people take for granted how important their feet are until, guess when? When they have a problem. And then suddenly it becomes, oh my goodness, I can't do half of the things I'd like to do.
1: And then everyone rushes to you. Then everybody rushes. I know the biggest names rush to you, (laughs) which with your mouth you won't tell me their names. (laughs) Some of whom I know. I know you helped DiMaggio. We all know you wrote a story about Joe DiMaggio. We all know he was your first big name. Tell me the Joe DiMaggio
0: story. Well... Interestingly, as you know, Cindy, Joe DiMaggio's heel spur injury was probably and continues to be the most famous sports medicine injury probably in the world. I'll never forget a friend of ours who knew Joe D. by, a name, by, by the name of Johnny Ocaro had told me that he was once in the jungle with Joe DiMaggio back in the 50s. And there was a, a tribe of, of natives that came up to Joe and I'll never forget, they were you no, know, they were all dressed in their tribal outfits. And one of the tribe people said to Joe, Joe, how's your heel doing? And they he could not believe that here's a tribe in the jungle that knew about Joe's heel injury.
1: Tell, tell us in case there's somebody 11 yeah. years old who doesn't know.
0: Well, basically, Joe had a heel spur, and they did a heel spur operation, which was not the best idea to do back then. And what happened, Cindy, they wound up removing a lot of his fat pad, which, as you know, the heel is the most important shock-absorbing part of the body. And if you don't have a fat pad, you have no shock absorption. So when they removed DiMaggio's heel spur, they also took out the fat pad, which means he was basically running on bone. And as you can imagine, that could be extremely painful, especially if you're an elite professional athlete. And that's how it sort of went. Now, of course, it became so amazing because... You know, Dimaggio. Back then, he had his you know fifty-six game hitting streak. Uh, Him and Ted Williams, as you know, dominated nineteen forty-one. Ted hitting over four hundred, and as you can imagine, Dimaggio became iconic because, in spite of this surgery, he was able to come back and produce another four or five. MVP-type years when he played with the New York Yankees.
1: Okay, so how do you protect when you lose your pad, your cushion?
0: Well, I, th- I think the important thing is to do something mechanically, remembering that the anatomical structure, the way the foot is constructed like a machine, you have to do things that make other parts of the foot take up some of that slack so that the shock absorbing that you lose in your heel has to be sort of picked up somewhere else, like the middle part of the foot, the front part of your foot. And also what will happen sometimes, you try to... Uh, Strengthen the structures around that heel.
1: That's exercises. Exercises,
0: that? exactly. Exercises and, and doing things like uh, wearing appropriate shoe gear. Uh, many times uh, for a professional athlete or for an active person, will make a prescription orthotic of some type that actually anatomically and mechanically makes that foot work better. But I, I always found how amazing, though, talking about DiMaggio's heels. So if you had to ask me, Sandy, I think the two Ds, the double Ds, were really what brought me into foot and ankle, Da Vinci and DiMaggio. And of course, if you remember what happened uh, when Ernest Hemingway wrote The Old Man and the Sea, he references DiMaggio's heel throughout the whole book. It was kind of amazing how it took on that type of iconic, uh, you know, stature. I don't
1: remember. I mean, we all know, I know the story, but I don't remember the details. What happened? Did he have it in both feet or one?
0: No, he had it in, in his right foot. Okay. And that's, of course, when you're a right-handed hitter, that's your, that's your, your plant foot in the back. And what happened basically is that from years of actually wearing hand-me-down shoes, because Joe came from a very yeah. uh, you know, a very hardworking uh, family, fisherman, fisherman's family back in the wharf in San Francisco area. And Joe basically over the years wore ill-fitting shoes, which we found out to be a cause of developing an inflammation of the heel, particularly causing a spur. That's what got him to that point. Then, of course, you asked me how it all happened, You'll, you'll probably recall our very dear friend, the renowned sports cartoonist Bill Gallo, yeah. was extremely dear friends with Joe. And remember, Joe, Joe and Bill one day were playing golf, and Joe turns to Bill and says, you know, Bill, my heel still bothers me. And and Bill turns to him and says, you know, Joe, I know this this nice kid. He's from Brooklyn. You know, he's a street boy. He's finishing up his studies at Yale, uh, studying the mechanics of how a foot and ankle work, the non-surgical techniques, et cetera. And Joe said, Well, connect me with him. So I, you know, I get a call from Bill, and Bill says, No, Rock, you may get a call from someone, but I can't tell you who it is. But I think you can help him. So I said, Okay, what is this? So a day later, Bill calls me back. He goes, Here, have you ever heard of Joe DiMaggio? I said, Have you ever heard of Joe DiMaggio? Yeah. Of course. I mean, yeah. from a foot perspective, DiMaggio's heel is like the Holy Grail, basically. Yeah. He says, Well, I like him to see you. So I'll never forget this. He said, Go to his. He's staying at this address and just write him a little note saying, hello, I'm Rock Positano, Bill Gallo asked me to call. Now, Cindy, I never in a million years thought he would ever do anything. So the doorman looked at me like, are you kidding me, kid? You look- what were you then? I was just out of school. I was already uh, my first year practicing. You know, okay. It was interesting. I'll never forget this. It's like a cold November night. The bell rings at seven o'clock at night and it had one of those video cameras. And who do I see in the in the picture? was an impeccably dressed man with silver hair, a long coat, and a beautiful tie, and it was Joe DiMaggio. He
1: hadn't called for an appointment? No,
0: he just showed up. Because I think he went by the building where we were practicing. I'll never forget that. I said to myself, oh, my goodness. So I remember the first rule was you always approach Mr. DiMaggio as Mr. DiMaggio. Yeah. Like, as yeah. I know you know, you yeah, always yeah. were yeah. always a person of elegance and etiquette. And he liked the fact that I called him Mr. DiMaggio. So it only took two years for me to call him Joe. But the bottom line was that Joe came in, uh, I evaluated him, and I found out what was wrong. He had a mechanical issue with his foot at the time. And we were able to, to, to treat him in a way where pretty much the pain he had had that was unfortunately plaguing him when he was playing golf and when he was walking, we were able to get under control. And the rest is history.
1: Okay, just to go back, and I, I want to talk about today, but just to go back, was it both both
0: feet? No, uh, actually, interestingly, he had, uh, again, this is common knowledge, he had the spur, heel spur on his right foot. Yeah. And he had on his left foot, from fouling off all the balls, he had a, a, an issue with his big toe, which oh was important. Oh, my God, yeah. I mean,
1: that's already too much for me. <laughs> okay, I can't, go, I can't go that far. Okay, tell me now, Dr. Rock Positano, the big, famous foot doctor... So now, how do we care for our feet today when we're hardly using them? We're not out doing a lot. We're home a lot. What are we doing about our feet? They're not getting exercise.
0: Well, that's a great, great question, Cindy, and and it's so relevant for today. I think the important thing is to try to limit the amount of barefoot walking that a person will do in their apartment. Now, we had at one one point discussed that, that people don't realize how much walking and standing they do while they're in their apartment. They think that they do their five miles a day when they go out to Central Park or to Gramercy Park. But walking and standing in the home single-handedly contributes to a very large force that goes to the foot that can cause problems. So I think the barefootness, which people are doing more now than ever, being barefoot, there's no support. The foot pretty much does whatever it wants to do. It has no normal structure, so to speak. The function of the foot changes. And we find people who are doing all of this extra barefoot walking, not only developing foot problems, but they're coming in with these other issues like knee, hip, and back problems. It's all connected.
1: Well, what are you supposed to do if you're walking in your house? You can't go barefoot?
0: Well, you can go barefoot, but I wouldn't go barefoot the whole day. A lot of people now are using like, like slippers, like these ballet slippers that the, the women use. Some of the guys are using shoes like Merrell's around the house. So that's pretty much the important thing is that the barefoot walking has got to stop a little bit. It has to become a little less frequent. The but, sec- but,
1: but it's the same thing. You just That's a tiny little piece of fabric between but, your foot and the floor. But you
0: know what, Cindy? You're right. As, as minute as that is, if you consider the amount of force that goes through a foot every time a person takes one of their ten to 15,000 steps a day, that number is magnified. So, again, there's nothing simple about walking. And people don't realize that, again, until they develop a foot problem. So that's one of the amazing things about the foot. The second thing you could do, because I know this is important to all of us, is that it's not a bad idea to do a cold soak at night. People sometimes will take an ice pack or they'll sit on the edge of the bathtub and throw their feet in cold water. That's very good because, A, what it does, it produces the swelling because that's the big problem is that swelling – unfortunately, is one of the major causes of why a problem develops in a person's foot. And of course, what happens basically, it's like the, there's no place extra in the foot for any fluid to go. If you look at the foot, Cindy, it's so complex. We're talking about bones, tendons, ligaments, nerves, you know, muscles, all in that little spot. Guess what? There's no place for anything that doesn't belong there to go. So when people develop swelling, which is very common at the end of the day, look at the analogy. It's like putting five gallons of water in a two-gallon tank, and there's no place for that foot, and that's when people get foot dysfunction, meaning when the foot doesn't work very well. So one of the things I recommend, and especially when a a woman is pregnant, because obviously things are changing mechanically and in terms of center gravity, I tell them all, whatever you do, do the cold soaks at night because it keeps the swelling down in, in your foot and in your ankle.
1: Okay, I got that. But I I got that. But just a ballet slipper is a thin piece of fabric. Yeah. How is that going to help? Or a sock. That's a thin piece of fabric.
0: Well, again, wearing a sock is the same as going barefoot. But wearing a slipper of some type, even though, as you you very, very astutely mentioned, is very, very thin, it's enough to give the middle part of your foot, they call the mid-tarsal joint area, enough support where it offloads some of the stress that goes through the heel area as well as the front part of your foot. Why is a sock no good? Well, because a sock, unfortunately, is completely, completely compressible, which means it's to the point where it's accommodative. You know, a, fo- a sock will not give you any arch or orthopedic support in the actual bottom part of your foot. And the, the problem being is because the sock will pretty much contour to whatever yeah. shape yeah. that the foot wants to go to. Whereas as simple as a slipper can be, it has enough where there's at least some some protection of the middle part of the of the foot itself, which is what really gives people some added protection. A name you know who's in the know. It's the Cindy Adams Show, 77 WABC.
1: Okay, Rock Positano. So what are they supposed to do when they're schlepping around the house? They're supposed to put a, a, a slipper on. They're supposed to soak their feet. I mean, that's a lot to do for...
0: No question about it. But I think it has to do with how much time you spend in your home. Now, look, if you're someone like yourself who goes who goes out a lot and has to go to functions and, and et cetera, I mean, your shoe gear is going to help you no matter what because you're still going out. You're wearing a nice pair of shoes. You're wearing something that's supportive. But a person who is uh, pretty much confined to their home, which is what happened in the last year or so, they're basically getting just up and down. Many times they're not wearing anything protective on their feet. They're just yeah, either yeah, barefoot yeah, or wearing yeah, a sock. Yeah. And these people, interestingly, like, they'll come to me and they'll say, how did I get a tear in my, my plantar fascia? I didn't go out. And I said, well, how much walking or standing have you done in your own home? And the answer is uh, quite amazingly, they've done so much more that they've actually developed what they call these uh, mechanical problems with these muscular Musculoskeletal problems, particularly Cindy, particularly in the heel, we've seen a dramatic increase in the number of people developing heel pain. And I'm not just talking about inflammation of the plantar fascia. They're actually. And who knows tears. what the hell
1: a plantar fascia is? Well, the,
0: it's speak English. Well, the fascia is, is a is a thick band that goes into the heel itself. That's responsible for shock absorption. It's responsible for maintaining your arch. But it's also very important for the fact that a person needs this particular anatomical structure that is attached to the heel to give them stability and to give them really good shock-absorbing capability. So, again, walking and standing in the home, as benign as it may seem, is not always so benign because of the fact that a person sp- stands and walks quite a bit inside their, their domicile. That's very, very typical, okay? And that's one of the interesting things about this is that just being at home, you can get into trouble. I know there's there's gout, there's
1: mashed toes, there's broken ankle, there's metatarsal mess. I mean, what what else can happen to us? What?
0: Well, look, I I think a lot of it has to do with muscles, tendons, and ligaments, okay? As we go from front to back, in the front, people develop what they call bunion deformities, which is basically an enlargement of the bone on the big toe. Many times we'll see this in people of all ages, all activity levels, and what can sometimes happen over time that bunion could become arthritic. And when it becomes arthritic, it can cause pain. And when it causes pain, it causes a person to limp and change their gait. And when they limp and change their gait, guess what happens next? Their knee says, hey, I'm having a problem now with my knee. And then it goes to the hip, and then it goes to the back. So da Vinci was able to show this in his anatomical renderings that when the foot is not working correctly, i.e., in the case of a bunion that's painful, it's going to not only affect the foot but also go up the chain.
1: Okay, but today's shoes are also a pain. I mean, you get corns, you get bunions, you get other things from them.
0: Yes, and of course, what people say, that, people always try to say, well, high heels are so bad for you. Well, not really. A high heel in and of itself, and is not bad for you, but it's how you use the high heel. You know, if you wear a three-inch heel and a four-inch heel and you, just, you decide you're going to take a two-mile walk around Central Park, you're looking for trouble. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. I don't care who you are. But if you're going to go to a party... Or you're going to go to a dinner where the most walking you're going to do is from the curb to the inside part of the restaurant. It really doesn't make that much of a difference. And, you know, people try to always cast a a negative, uh, you know, a negative effect, so to speak, or a negative uh, thought about a high heel. A high heel is only as dangerous as how you use it. That's what people don't realize. But there are many beautiful high heels. I'm looking at yours right now that are actually, they're, they're gorgeous. I mean, you have a perfect heel. Uh, it's it's uh, nice and square, and it supports you in a way which allows you to walk comfortably. What are you wearing i'm wearing actually um, an interesting shoe. I have a small heel as well. I mean on my thing i 'm not wearing high heels obviously but <laughs> are i'm they wearing custom? they're no they're a regular shoe. I, I like to wear a regular Allen Edmonds type shoe or even a floor shine I feel those those shoes give you some great support. And especially, as you know, I'm on my feet all day. All I need to do one of these days is maybe put roller skates on my feet, and I'll be a lot easier getting around my office. But the point of the matter is that I want something that's comfortable. However, it has to be supportive.
1: Um, What about everybody wearing sneakers? I mean, I personally hate sneakers. I just loathe them and (laughs) hate them. And the guys here, oh, please. Our engineer's wearing sneakers. are wearing sneakers. He's also wearing a beard, which looks lousy. Uh Uh-oh. Yeah, but I don't want (laughs) to mention that except on the air. So what about, I hate the sneakers because everybody is schlumping around. They all look like schlumps. What is with sneakers?
0: Well, look, sneakers, again, they give you a false sense of security. Everyone says, oh, it's a sneaker. It's got to feel good. Well, sneakers can actually also cause a lot of problems with the foot, particularly in the arch in the front of the foot sometimes, where there's a fat pad, Cindy, that goes underneath the front part of the foot right under the big toe. Sometimes the fat pad can get inflamed. We find a lot of people that develop, again, arch pain, heel pain, Achilles pain, because again, the sneaker, even though it may appear to be comfortable, which many times it is, sometimes doesn't give you the, the, the appropriate or the best uh, orthopedic support. Listen, for a foot doctor, you're
1: a pain in the ass because well, thank you. if I listen to you, <laughs> if I listen to you, everything, you can't do
0: anything. Well- you're supposed to
1: sit. All day long, is that it? No,
0: everything in moderation. You could wear in moderation, walk in moderation, walk in moderation, you know, schlep in moderation, walk around in
1: moderation. But you're making it so we can't do anything, we're scared of
0: everything. No, absolutely not. I mean, look, let's face it, you know, we we, since uh, the, the human being started to walk upright, we have all of these problems. Let's face it, you and I know people who've walked upright for years and. Some of them develop problems. What should
1: I do? I should crawl? I should crawl and I would be better off with my knees?
0: Well, look at at how, look at, like, I know you love dogs. I mean, look at the dog's anatomy, right? They have the the four paws and they they walk on their, their, in a very balanced way. I'm sure Dr. Palmer from the Animal Medical Center would He's love would, would love to friend. know what we're talking about here because let's face it, we could learn a lot from dogs and cats, you know. And, and I don't
1: want to learn from my dog. My dog pees everywhere. I don't need to pee everywhere, so that doesn't help. me. I love it. I love. It. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, my dog, who I love much more than any human being, I love, 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 love. Okay.
0: And we so, love, and we love Dr. Palmer too.
1: I love Dr. Palmer. I'm having dinner with him. I love him.
0: He's a wonderful human being. He's probably one of the most gifted veterinarians I've ever met.
1: He is magnificent. He takes care of so many dogs. Everybody goes to him. They go to him for everything. I love him. I love him. And I hope if he listens to me, he will charge me less now. That he will listen to me. <laughs> Suggest indoor
0: home exercises. Again, I think it's important. Stretching. Very important that you stretch correctly. How do
1: you stretch your foot?
0: Basically, you take a towel, you put it in the front part of your foot, and you pull back gently. So you stretch the Achilles tendon. You stretch the plantar fascia, which is that thick fibrous band that goes under the bottom part of the foot. It also helps to mobilize the front part of the foot where people develop bunion deformities. Flexibility, Cindy, is everything. If you can increase flexibility, you get stability, you get strength. When you get strength, you get endurance. When you get endurance, you have the ability to ambulate and to walk most times without any great pain or discomfort.
1: Dr. Pazitano, where am I going to get the time After I do all I do, I have to start stretching my foot. I have to start putting ice on it. I don't have the time even to talk to you. What am I supposed
0: to do? Be busy like this? Well, do you... I'm. A, I'm. A, do you have a sleepwalk? No. I mean, so sleepwalking is a great, <laughs> a great solution you, but, for this. But you can
1: fall on your behind as. A, you know, I don't think I'm going to have you again. Okay. <laughs> what about walking exercises or running exercises or bicycle exercises? Well, look. I mean, again. What about all that?
0: Well, look. Walking is as probably the safest and the the most effective way of getting exercise because a, it's low impact. uh You'll never find too many people who need knee replacements or hip replacements when they've done a walking regimen for all these years. Walking is still the best way to get around. No question about it. However, running, running is a different situation. Running, unfortunately, is associated in some cases with people who have increased issues with their knee, their hip, and their back. But I think stationary bike is also excellent too because, yeah, you put some stress on your knee, obviously, when you're doing a bike. But again, the amount of Reaction force that goes to the body when you're on a bicycle is also Significantly less than if you would go running up a trail or something like that.
1: So now that I listen to you It's cheaper it's cheaper to go to you than to buy all of this stuff. I have to get a bicycle. I have to put my foot in ice. I have to run something under my planter for whatever the hell it is. <laughs> hey, at least I, you don't say it. I don't know what it I don't know what
0: I can't be that busy. Well, look, you know what? You'd be surprised. You are look, you, because you are so active? I mean, I think that says every, that says everything. The reason why you are able to get around as brilliantly as you do is because you've always maintained an active lifestyle. And to your credit, you know, you take your health seriously, which is important. You take your musculoskeletal health seriously.
1: Also, because you're so expensive, I do anything rather than go to you. So basically, because you charge a lot of money, what should we do simply at home and what is gout?
0: Well, look. You remember we had that discussion at, at Gout. Remember one night? Yes, we went, I do.
1: I do. And I, I do. was
0: telling you around around, around uh, the Passover st- season yes. when everyone's eating a lot of high purine things like chopped liver, we see a dramatic increase, as we do during the holidays, by the way, because people are drinking more, they're eating more, and gout. And gout basically affects everybody. I mean, affects most, and in most cases, it affects men, but it also affects women after menopause because there's a certain thing with the hormone that changes the ability to produce and to get rid of this this compound known as uric acid. But gout has been around, you know, historically for years. I mean, many of the historical treatises have shown that gout has played a role in wars, in, in famines, in people's, uh, you know, uh, beheadings, etc. So, I mean, gout has been around, Cindy, for, as you can imagine, thousands of years. And what happens in a case like this, it basically in a nutshell, is that there's an inflammation around any of the joint linings, particularly in this case, the big toe. People will a lot of times get gout inside the big toe, and it it is painful, Cindy. It is red. It is hot. It is swollen. And one of the bad things about gout is that even if you're not standing on your foot, it throbs like there's a thousand knives going through your big toe. So this time of the year now, we're starting to see an increase because of uh, holiday gatherings, uh, get-togethers, you know, festivities, etc. So a lot of times a person will come and say, listen, I don't know what happened. I woke up this morning and I, I, I couldn't put my foot down. Or last night at three o'clock in the morning when the sheets hit the top part of my foot, it was like, it was ex- excruciating pain. And the reason why is because there's a lot of inflammation going on in that joint because the uric acid from the food and from the alcohol that we consume goes right to that spot.
1: Alcohol, uh, you, you mean the wine and stuff? That wine,
0: I, gin, vodka, you name it, anything like that. And also... That causes it? Oh, well, it, it's one of the precipitators. And also, you combine that, Cindy, you combine alcohol with very rich foods like filet mignon, chopped liver, uh, you know, turkey, Chinese food, anything like that where there's a high protein... How about
1: peanut butter? Let's get important. Well,
0: peanut butter is important too. But yeah, peanut butter <laughs> you know, could be the same thing because of the protein content, but... You know, gout uh, plagues anyone who has any type of a metabolic difference between what's going on into their body and what's going on out of their body. Meaning, the ability to to uh, to. Uh, Accumulate uric acid in a joint. Unfortunately, is one of the most painful things you could ever imagine.
1: I tell you the truth, Doc. You're getting very boring. Thank you. So, Hugh Jackman, who <laughs> Hugh Jackman is rehearsing for a Broadway musical, he is dancing a lot, and he's taking ice baths for his aching feet.
0: That's excellent. That's a great idea because that's what happens in the professional training rooms with the professional athletes: the football players, the basketball players, the baseball players. Icing is a very important post-activity uh, that most elite athletes will participate in.
1: You stick your feet in oh, ice water? It, oh,
0: it feels great. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, you, know, you don't feel your feet after a while, but remember what we said. <laughs> when you put your feet in cold water, you're reducing the amount of swelling in that foot that doesn't have any place for that swelling to go because of the increase in activity. So yes, that's very common. For how long do you dunk uh, your foot? Ah, look, I look, I, I I never go more than fifteen to twenty minutes. I think anything past that, oh, you're just being minutes. draconian, and you're basically torturing <laughs> yourself or your or your players. Oh, listen, we cream our
1: face, our hands, our body. We supposed <laughs> to cream the feet too. Well, look, and we'll slip and slide
0: all over. Well, yeah. Well, you have to be, look. You have to be careful. You're right with cream. You know, right or wrong. I mean, you know. I think it's important that, like, remember, the, the skin is the largest organ in the body. People don't realize that. And, of course, the skin on the foot is something that has to be taken care of because, again, I mean, it's it has a direct contact. Are we supposed to cream our feet? Well, a lot of people will cream their feet. I mean, I wouldn't do it excessively because otherwise it can cause, as you said, accidents and you could be slipping and sliding. I've seen that happen many times. People will come in and you'll say, well, what happened? They said, well, I creamed my foot last night, and I took a wrong step, and my my leg went out from under me. So, yeah, but it's very important because the skin on the foot is extremely important for for ambulation because it does allow a person to be able to walk and to stand because the skin has to be healthy.
1: Okay, I'm getting near the end, but I want to ask, what about ballet dancers? How do they schlep around? How do they do that?
0: Well, ballet dancers, again, I mean, a ballet dancer, Cindy, is essentially a professional athlete. I mean, they're able to do things with their feet and their ability to build the muscular structure and the, the ligamentous uh, structure in their feet is amazing. They're able to go up on their toes. Oy. They're able to, to, to dance and to lunge and, and, to, and to leap. And you talk about a physical you know, physical specimens in terms of being unbelievably athletic, they're a perfect example. You know, I once had the pleasure of working with a, a brilliantly talented uh, ballerina named Alexandra Ancinelli, who was a prima ballerina, both here in America and also over in England. And I'll never forget this. We were talking, and she said, Rock, people don't realize how intense a ballet session is. I mean, it looks very beautiful when you're watching them dance, but what people don't realize is how much strength it takes to be able to be so graceful. And it all starts again at the foot and works its way up. And I'll never forget that. She said that people don't realize and give give you know ballet people or dancers credit because it really is a form of professional athleticism.
1: Uh, I don't care. I can't do it. So, I mean, anything I can't do, I'm not interested in. Okay, okay. Why don't you give pedicures in your office? Oh,
0: come on. I can't do that. Come on. Pedicures, you know, pedicures are, are you know, as you can imagine, a big part of what goes on with people's feet these days. And, you know, people now are more and more aware of the importance of making sure if they're going to get a pedicure, they go to places that are sterile meaning they have really good, you know, sterilizing facilities. Okay. And they bring their own, also, Cindy, they bring their own instruments a lot of times, too.
1: Okay, I had enough. I had enough with you. I had (laughs) enough with you. This is Dr. Rock Positano, whom I love, who's the best bloody foot doctor in captivity, and everybody knows him, and I'm certainly hoping he'll remember this when I go there and he doesn't charge me.
0: (laughs) Hey, listen, Cindy, we love you at the Hospital for Special (laughs) Surgery. Come on. (laughs) That when the security guards see Cindy, they all know who she is. It's really kind of amazing, you know.
1: Thanks. I Thanks, love you, Cindy. Thanks, Thanks for having me. Thanks, honey. Thanks, honey.
0: It's the Cindy Adams Show, 77 WABC.
1: Okay, I'm back. I'm back. I'm back. Here's something you may not know or maybe you missed. On December 6th at 1226 p.m. Pacific time, A U.S. District Court judge by the name of Otis Wright in Central District of California dismissed all federal claims against Harvey Weinstein and dismissed the state law claims. The case name was Rose McGowan versus Harry Weinstein. The case number, and it's a big long number, and the document number was 101 the text that came with this information said quote pursuant to the court's november 29 2021 minute order 100 plaintiff had until december 2 to file electronically or to file a supplemental brief the plaintiff has not filed any in response to the court's order Accordingly, the plaintiff has conceded the two points the court gave her opportunity to argue. That's Rose McGowan. The court thus concludes the plaintiff is unable to sufficiently plead a RICO claim, R-I-C-O, RICO claim, meaning further amendment would be futile. Accordingly, the court dismisses her claim on the merits and with prejudice as against all defendants and dismisses the action without prejudice. I'm not certain anybody heard that or knows it. And now to something else again. Holiday ideas. Remove white Christmas from your playlist because the weather is unconsciously racist. Identify as to who, she, he, and a crossover or however the main dish identifies. We don't know the gender. If a table debate is too heated, pick an agreeable topic like how great a mayor is Bill de Blasio. Deforestation depletes our planet of paper. So please encourage your guests to wipe their hands on their clothes. Observing human rights, have people silence their iPhones manufactured by foreign slave labor? So I think those are things you have to learn for Christmas. We're losing Dermot Shea. He is no longer our police commissioner. I know him. I was talking to him. Listen, I know everything. I was here before George Washington. So I was asking him, while he was working, how much sleep did he get? His answer, not enough. You catch it when you can. Maybe a couple of hours. The phone is ten inches away. So I asked him, What's he going to do now, and what would he be if not a cop? Dermache said to me, growing up, I wasn't sure what I'd do. If I was left-handed and a really great athlete, maybe I'd have been a hockey player. But I'm blessed. Nothing is as terrific as working with the NYPD. At least that's what he said two weeks ago. Now, he's quit, so maybe he's not going to say that again. But he said, today's timing is not perfect and we just have to get through all we're going through. But there is no hesitation, not a second, about my having loved this job. Better still, please notice I haven't screwed up in the past 10 minutes. So did Dermot Shea, who was our police commissioner. Does he remember his first day on the force? Yeah, he says, it was the 46th precinct. I was scared, I was nervous. I wanted to be out on the beach, but I was assigned to paperwork indoors. I was especially disappointed when other rookies returned the end of the day and told me all they'd done and their exciting experiences, and here I was, sitting, writing reports. Well, how did his wife feel about the job when he had it? Said Dermache, listen, we're married since 92. We have three kids and a grandchild. She works from home, and maybe we didn't think it would be what it is, but the way it is now, she's been a rock in our relationship. Listen, there are occasions we can still both laugh, and but looking at my career, I have to tell you, it has been a wild ride. Okay, we spoke for about 15 minutes, which was more than he talks to anyone, unless they're in handcuffs, but I asked one more question. We had Ray Kelly. We had Bill Bratton. Why so many top cops, Irish And he said, the Irish run strong. I absolutely do not know one thing that is not great about the Irish. I'm sorry, we're not going to have Dermot Shea any longer. I loved him. He was terrific. Okay, forget sex in the city. Not that I'm having any, but some of you might be. There was Candace Bushnell who wrote this whole thing. She now has a one-woman show at the Darrell Roth Theater. She says it's eight costume changes. I wear spanks. I am rigged up and down with wires, battery pads, mics. Beneath one dress is another. On top of that is a robe. On top of that, clothes have magnets inside. The buttons are attached, and the wrap dresses rigged. I'm careful I don't unwind myself. When we tested this out the first time, I wore my own clothes. Now there's a stylist and a dresser. The physical aspect, she says, is the hardest. The exercise helps, so I practice breath control and do Pilates three times a week. For memorizing, my brain remembers numbers and hearing something I usually remember the director assured me we'd rehearse so much that I would definitely learn the lines. I can tell you more, but I have to go. They're throwing me out. This is the only time they want to have me. So I want to tell you, everyone today is seeing doctors. One told me his patient was not to drink, smoke, overeat, or dissipate. In other words, do nothing that could interfere with his bill. I am now turning you over to a station break, and I'm going to tell you that for me, it's only in New York, kids, only in New York.